My dad's wife is about to retire the next two years. You know, she's been working for a long time. She's worked at a bunch of different like hospitals. And so she has all these uh, pensions that are like lying around in different retirement accounts, right? And so what I was saying is like, well, if you just transfer all of those or just one of those or whatever into Unchained Capital, they pretty much will handle all the paperwork for you. Basically transfer it into Unchained Capital in a retirement account that only holds Bitcoin. And it's real Bitcoin. It's not paper Bitcoin. Like you hold two keys. Unchained Capital holds one just for like backup purposes. You know, with the price of Bitcoin that it is right now, I was really really trying to hammer home the idea that like if you get in before the having this is actually going to help your retirement yeah because drastically you're listening to the flirting with bitcoin podcast i'm mandana I'm Ian. That's Keon. And and we're we're the the Recephies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience-funded without ads or sponsors. Mm Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. (laughs) See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Hello, Canada. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Hola, Brazil. Buongiorno, Italy. Sawadi, Thailand. Konnichiwa, Japan. And, and howdy, howdy to Texas. Texas. Yeah, Japan snuck back into the top 10. So you're back in there, Black Toshi. Konnichiwa. You you did it. Yeah, you did it. I don't, I don't know what your street game is in Tokyo, but uh, good job. Good job. What time is it, babe? The current time is 791-819, and we're approximately 741 blocks since our last recording. And if I gave you one US dollar, how many acres could I get on sunny Bitcoin Island? Today, you can get 3,655 acres for one USD. So not much change. Not a big change. We're, we're Obviously, the price of Bitcoin to dollars is trading sideways, but from a... Uh, but the price of ground beef has gone down. Okay. Just so, generally or in sats? So yeah, we're always going to talk about in sats okay. when we're talking about these prices. And the reason why I wanted to call this out is because for the listeners who are trying to onboard their significant others, one of the things I think a lot of families are dealing with right now is inflation. You know, I saw an article the other day that was like, while it's not being reported in the news, there are certain things that have gone up like 100% mm-hmm. even in the United States over the last three years. And one of them was uh, ground beef. And so a thing that I, I like to say to people when I'm 
out in the streets, you know, talking about Bitcoin is like, what inflation? Everything's going down for me. Mm -hmm. And so you love saying that and people are like, huh? It's a very hard concept to grasp because everyone in the world, for the most part, is so used to relating things to the dollar that it's very hard to realize that there's a different system to measure the price of everything against. And that's why I think we should we should do these prices at the start of the show. So if we are constantly saying the price of X has gone down, regardless of what you see in the grocery store, if I was living on a Bitcoin standard, it got cheaper for me. Yeah. That's the and thing. And it's going to take time to like make that mental switch. It, it will, yeah. you know, like it's taken me years. But one of the things I think will help drive that concept home is just constantly saying like it's gone down or it's up a little bit. I feel like over the next 12 to 24 months, you're going to hear us say the prices of all these things are just constantly going down when we're talking about them in Satoshi's. So before we get into it, uh, we had a fun weekend. We're still in it. It's Sunday. Yeah, it's still the weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend here in the States. And so it's a three-day weekend. I'm on maternity leave. Really, most people stop working around like Friday afternoon and everyone gets Monday off. So Anne's family came up to visit. We got babysitters basically for the weekend. It was great. Yeah, that was great. We had had a lot of fun. We took Keon out. I went out twice, like stayed out past midnight. It was a little wild. Wild of me. I mean, if that's what you need. I'm paying for it today. I'm tired. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if applaud is the right word, but I'm surprised you made it out as long as you did. I uh, am as well. Uh, It was funny. Ian left before I did last night, um, and somehow I was in a nightclub (laughs) at midnight. And my phone goes off. And of course, it's like our baby monitor. And it's like Keon laying in the crib. And so everyone's like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, look at my baby. Look at my cute baby in his crib. <laughs> no, you're, you were that person in the club. I was that person in the club. But no, it feels good to like, you know, be out of the kind of the newborn fog. So it's, it's it was nice. I really appreciated how much. Your family wanted to hold him this weekend. It gave me a break. Of course, I missed him and we're like all cuddly today. He's asleep in my arms right now as we speak, but it's nice to get a break. You know, I, I love Keon, but if anybody wants to hold him, I'm like, here you go. I like, know. He'll be here when you leave. So <laughs> I know so many mothers who are like, I don't want anyone to hold my baby. And like, I, I feel tense or I get stressed out when someone else is holding my baby and I just don't, I'm like, take him. Thank you. You want to hold him? Is he okay? Are you good? Do you need water? Great. Bye. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Exactly. Yeah. So he's so delicious. People should enjoy him. So yeah, like my, my parents coming up this weekend and babysitting and or just being grandparents, you know, like. Yeah, it was them being grandparents and uh, them getting to spend like quality bonding time with them, which is really important. It's very interesting having a kid and like watching my dad hold my kid. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't really explain it, but there's there's some like very humanistic feeling that happens when you see that. Yeah, because he was here before they they came up before when he was born, but he was like small and he wasn't really moving. You know, <laughs> he was asleep the whole time. Yeah, but now like he's like smiling, he's like reacting to them, and it's like yeah, he's he's slowly becoming a human being, and these are people that you need to like kind of know who they are because they're your people. These are your people, yeah, and. 
he seemed to be okay. He, you know, some babies oh, don't like to be, them. some babies don't like to be held by other people, you know, but he was just like, pass me around. I don't care. Like, I'm cool with everybody. He was like, oh my God, I'm getting so many cuddles yeah. this weekend. He loved it. And it was cool because like, I got to talk to my dad about Bitcoin, especially my dad's wife is about to retire the next two years and just kind of giving her the rundown of, I don't know exactly what your plans are, but I know enough to recommend certain things. And so one of the things that we were talking about was, you know, she's been working for a long time. She's worked at a bunch of different like hospitals. And so she has all these uh, pensions that are like lying around in different retirement accounts. Right. And so what I was saying is like, well, if you just transfer all of those or just one of those or whatever into Unchained Capital, they pretty much will handle all the paperwork for you in that they will get all your retirement accounts basically transferred into Unchained Capital in a retirement account that only holds Bitcoin. And it's real Bitcoin. It's not paper Bitcoin. Like you hold two keys. Unchained Capital holds one just for like backup purposes. You know, with the price of Bitcoin that it is right now, I was really trying to hammer home the idea that like if you get in before the halving, this is actually going to help your retirement. Yeah. Because drastically. Because like, again, I'm not making guarantees on the price appreciation of Bitcoin. But what I am saying is like, let me explain to you what the halving is so you can see that there's this natural mathematical push on the price of Bitcoin every four years. So if you don't need to touch this particular retirement account in your retirement, don't touch it. I'm not of the age of retirement. So there's certain things about retirement that I don't know. Yeah. And I think that was like an interesting thing that, you know, we were talking about with them yesterday is that. When we talk about retirement, it's very different. Yeah. It's it's unfortunately more far off into the future, but it's more immediate for people at their stage of life. And so the decisions that they make, like we're, you know, you're you're a little less informed on how, how all of the mechanics of that work. Well, I mean, the one thing that I didn't know, I mean, I knew it, but I forgot that I was reminded is that like at a certain age, you're like forced to withdraw money. From your retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. I can't really speak to whether or not Unchained Capital will force you to sell some of your Bitcoin if you're forced to withdraw from your retirement account. But I imagine that they probably are because at the end of the day, it's just a retirement account that only holds Bitcoin. So even if you move your money into Unchained Capital, you, you can't escape that. So you might have to sell a percentage of your Bitcoin. The difference is that... Why sell? Why couldn't you just move it into a cold wallet? Because... It's a retirement account. It's not like I just have a wallet with a private key mm-hmm. that has a certain amount of Bitcoin in it that nobody knows about. This is a retirement account that's reported to the government. It, you'll be rolling over other retirement accounts into Unchained Capital. That gets reported to the government. The government knows that you have a retirement account now at Unchained Capital. And they're just going to say, we expect to see a certain amount withdrawn from that account every year once you hit a certain age. You have to sell it as a withdrawal. But what I don't know is that, do you have to convert it into dollars? Dollars, yeah. Or do you just have to withdraw a certain amount of Bitcoin? That's the part that I don't know. And that's the part when I was saying, like, I recommend Unchained Capital because they have a concierge service. They can answer these type of retirement questions for you that I can't really answer. But I do recommend Unchained Capital for that purpose. And hopefully, you know, they'll go through the process. And by them going through the process, I'll learn more about it and I'll have more to report on that aspect of like Bitcoin retirement. But the part that I was coming back to for like, if even if you are forced to forced to withdraw in dollars, it can't stop you from taking those dollars and just buying more Bitcoin. Right. The That's diff- what I was thinking. Like, yeah. Okay, fine. I have to withdraw. Cool. And that exact 
moment, I'll just convert it back to Bitcoin. Exactly. You know, before, you know, before Bitcoin even existed and you were forced to withdraw from your retirement account, you were still technically in the system. You sold some Tesla stock and now you have dollars. Mm -hmm. What do I do with these dollars? Right. Now with Bitcoin, it's like I can still stay out of the system. Right. So like they force you to take it out in dollars because they're devaluing the dollars. That's why you're forced to take it out. Mm -hmm. So if you take it out and put it right back into Bitcoin, it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. You knew I had it before. Now you you could assume that I have it today, but you don't know because if I buy it again in a different way, it's almost like it disappears Uh as far as like off the the government radar of what they can tax you on. Yeah, it'll Um, be interesting how all of that plays out. And if any of our listeners have done this already, let us know. Well, I think like considering the age of Bitcoin and how a lot of people that are approaching retirement basically since 2008, there's a bigger education push that needs to happen towards people who are currently about to retire mm-hmm. because yeah. technically their entire life, they didn't have another option. And so no financial advisor has ever said, have you considered Bitcoin to you their entire careers? Yeah. And no one's ever even explained and to them. chances are their financial advisor is not up to date on Bitcoin. Exactly. The one that they've been using for 30 years. Exactly. And yeah. so that's the thing that I think is very interesting is that like, let's just say, you know, I'm going to use round numbers here. You had a million dollars. You had a, you had a retirement account that fundamentally you were going to be forced to withdraw a million dollars from it. Right. Hypothetical situation, but just to use a million dollars as the forced amount of money. And you're like, this is cool. It is money that I earned. I want to hold on to it. What do I do with it? And before Bitcoin, you had a lot of different options, but probably the most uh, sustainable option would be to buy land, right? Like that was probably the most equivalent to Bitcoin at the time. We even say acres instead of Satoshis as like a joke, right? So like land was probably the most equivalent because if you go buy raw land that's not developed, it's not a farm or whatever, and you just sit on it. You're going to have to pay taxes on it, but your taxes are going to be like less than 1%. But as you develop the land, it it accrues more value. And so they'll increase the taxes on it. So if you wanted to hold on to your million dollars for like another 10 years, even if you bought land, you're still going to get taxed at a certain rate that's going to force you to have to come up with some money every year. It's just a more complicated option. Well, the, the point that I'm getting at is like before Bitcoin, there was nowhere you could park your money that had zero maintenance cost. Right. Now with Bitcoin, there's this option you can execute on that says, I can park my money here. It, there's zero maintenance cost. Zero. Unchained Capital doesn't charge you? Unchained Capital will charge you yeah. because they're a business, yeah. but that's not the government forcing you to pay Dude, Unchained that's Capital. True, that's true. You could just put it in a wallet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just put the key somewhere and just be like, that's going to sit. Which will likely be the future of this whole business. I mean, so I think... People are like, you know, listening to Learning with Bitcoin podcast, listen to our latest episode before this and learn how to secure their Bitcoin. That is an option, I think, for people that have a small amount of Bitcoin. The problem with saying a small amount of Bitcoin is that as time goes on, a small amount of Bitcoin is going to become a smaller and smaller number, mm-hmm. right? So like today... If you have like one Bitcoin, yeah, you could secure one Bitcoin by yourself on your private key with your own node and, Uh you know, put the keys in your safe. In 20 years, having one Bitcoin, you're probably going to want something like Unchained Capital. 
Really? You're yes. This is my point. It's gonna be. It's such a high. That's yeah. I guess. Right. So like today, you want to be more careful with it, right? And what you don't think people will trust themselves. It's not a matter of trusting yourself. It's like when you cross over a certain wealth threshold, it doesn't matter what system you're using to measure it in, whether it's dollars or Bitcoin or euros or yen or whatever. Wealth is relative to the person. So today, if someone has one Bitcoin, but let's say they make $250,000 a year, one Bitcoin to them is just 10% of their yearly salary at the moment. Right. So they might not think of that as wealth. But if you're somebody who makes $25,000 a year and you have one Bitcoin, that Bitcoin is your wealth, right? right? So it's all relative to the person. You know, the second level of like relative wealth is relative to the world. And so in America, $25,000, it's wealth to a large number of people in the bottom half of the country. But for the other upper half of the country, it's like $25,000 is nothing that some people walk around with that in their Venmo account. Jeez. You know, like I know a guy who had like $20,000 in his Venmo account because he was renting out an apartment in New York City and he was just collecting the rent through Venmo <laughs> and he never spent it. He never touched the money. He didn't care. But with Bitcoin, it's possible to acquire a Bitcoin today. In 20 years, it is probably going to be impossible for most people to acquire a Bitcoin in their lifetime. And at that point... In 20 years? Yes. That's your guess? All right. Yes. Like I'm willing, I'm willing to bet that... You know how people say, oh, I knew about it when it was a dollar. I wish I would have bought. Right. That's like the right. whole thing. Right. The new the new topic will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone that's like 60 knew about Bitcoin and had a chance to buy it. Yeah. Right. But the new story will be, I know a guy who has one Bitcoin. So you said 20 years, 20 years. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? Um, If you're wrong, you have to go to a nightclub with me in 20 years. Yes. If I'm wrong, I have to go to a nightclub with you we in have 20 to get years. Bottle service. I'll be. And you have to dance with me all night. I'll be 60 years old. Keon will be 20. Oh, Keon's coming. I'm not going He's to. The, I'm not going to the club with <laughs> my child. That's not. Sorry. That's. That's gonna hurt too much. Uh, no deal. So you said in 20 years, one Bitcoin will be how much? I'm not picking a number. I'm saying that in 20 years. It will be impossible to acquire one Bitcoin in your lifetime. Okay. If that, and then what do you want if you're right? I mean, if I'm right, then I've already won. Yeah. I mean, I won. won. I mean, I, I won. I won earlier. I like either way, I'm winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the, the 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 point that I'm driving That's like literally the only thing you will not do. You know, well, he he's a very good husband. He doesn't usually anything I ask within reason but like yeah with the within reason asterisk is I'm not going to a nightclub babe (laughs) last night he was like thanks for the lovely dinner I'm going home and everyone was like where's your husband and I was like he left he's home I'm not I'm going home to play with my baby and I was literally like on the dance floor at this nightclub and I could not imagine you there. Good. I think you would have been so annoyed and angry. Yes. I was annoyed and angry and I wasn't even there. Yeah. That it existed <laughs> yeah. and I was there. Yes. People want to live that lifestyle. I'm not knocking that lifestyle. It's just not for me. It's fun for celebration. It was, it was, but it was never for me. 
And like, it's not like I aged out of it per se. I never liked clubs. I'll go to a bar. I'll go to a bar and, and you know, talk to bar people. But club seed? Nah, that's not me. Yeah, it was just interesting because I'm not a big drinker. I just like to dance. And so the bar scene for me was always so boring. Yeah. I was like, where's the music? Where's the dance floor? Yeah. Okay. 20 years. Either way, I win. In about one year. Yeah. We'll know. We will know. Like, well, in what one this, year. But it could, there's so many things that could disrupt this having. Like, the like next what? having could hit. Okay. I don't know. Another disaster. All of that is fine. Not fine. Like, I don't want a disaster to happen. But the reason why I'm saying, like, in one year we will know is because I, I, I've said it to you. And I can show you the charts, but I really think that you won't get it until you've actually experienced the having. It's already started. Like, I don't want to really talk about price, but the the story of the week is they came to a deal on the uh, debt ceiling. This whole Broadway show that they've been putting on for the past month and a half. The minute it's like official, Bitcoin's moving up. Mm. they're never going to stop printing money. Yeah. And the next... Well, I agree with you. I think they're... I forget which episode, like very early on when we started the pod, when you explained the having to me, I was like, done. I get it. I believe you. It's just living in it, being a person where money... It's not... You know, It's. I'm not going to say money is a problem, but money is the problem, right? Having enough of it to make it right and be comfortable and happy and healthy and safe and so for you to just be like we gonna be bitcoin rich (laughs) i'm not i'm just like okay i'm not gonna bank on it like i'm still moving along in life trying to like work hard make money save money i'm not saying that we're gonna be bitcoin rich what i'm saying is that the invention that is bitcoin it can only move in one direction yes there will be ups and downs But fundamentally, it is moving up and to the right for its entire existence. And that's because on top of Bitcoin having a like monetary value that we all relate to whatever currency we've been using our entire life, whether it's the euro, the yen, the pound, whatever, the dollar, right? That's what we see. Fundamentally, Bitcoin is giving us a way to measure human output. And to your point, yes, we could have like some major events that happen. That will that will diminish human output, right? World War Three would be a good example of that, right? You know, after World War Two, people got together and decided that they were going to like print all this money and, and create new rules, basically change the rules. That's why they fought the war. They wanted everyone wanted to set new rules for how we all interact with one another. You could fight World War Three, Four, Five, and Six. It's not going to stop the fact that Bitcoin works a certain way. And it works better than our current system. It works better than our current system. And nobody could fight any amount of wars to change that rule set. I agree with all of that. I just am really interested to see how the having does play out. Because like you said, I just need to live through it. There is a having party having in, happening in El Salvador. Yeah. Are we going? Uh, I would like to go. All right. I would like to go to El Salvador, full stop. To just actually experience it. Just like I'm saying to you about the having, it's yeah. like I would like to experience El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Would I like to go to the having party in El Salvador? Yes, I would like to go to the having party in El Salvador that's happening uh, next year. But I do have one hesitation. I know there's got to be because I said, let's book it. Well, my one hesitation is that I honestly believe that this might be the worst 
time to go to a halving party in El Salvador. Why? <laughs> because this is like, this is the year, this is the halving that I believe the powers that be are going to really try to scare people away from Bitcoin. Oh. Because Bitcoin is the antithesis of what they are trying to do. A having party in El Salvador, in my opinion, is like a target for like, okay, what if some... And I'm not saying I want this to happen or that it will happen, but like... I know, you're very risk averse. They, they have been shipping criminals into El Salvador for decades. This is what Bukele has been cleaning up. He hasn't cleaned it all up. Yeah. If they ever wanted to make an example of like, we're still in your country and operating, I think some crazy event at a Bitcoin having party in El Salvador is a perfect target to scare people away, not only from El Salvador, but for Bitcoin and all that fun stuff, because that would be all over the news. Mm-hmm. And it would be a great distraction from the ridiculousness that's happening in Ukraine and Russia right now. So, like, I think that this might be the one to not go to. All right. Uh, you convinced me we're not going. But that's just my, like, that's just my defense mechanism kicking in of, like, how crazy are these people to try to scare people away from Bitcoin. And, you know, like all these, uh, you know, tech people just show up dead. Crypto people show up dead. I mean, there's that, um, you know, conspiracy theories around that, you know, John McAfee was like the first big guy to kind of just show up dead after like praising Bitcoin. But I, I really think that like certain organizations, world, uh, world economic forum and CBDCs and all that stuff that's happening right now, it's all the same group. They sound like they're different things, but it's all the same group of people that are trying to, they see what's happening. They see that the fiat system is collapsing. They're trying to prop up another system so that they can stay in power. And there's this thing now that says, well, we don't need a new system from you guys. We could just use this system. The more people believe in that new system, the more aggressive I think these people are going to get. And the fact that El Salvador has made it legal tender, they are they are so focused on El Salvador right now. Like there was a um, soccer event or something, and some uh, like there was a, a a stampede or something, and people got trampled. That was in the news for like a week. As I if, didn't see it, but okay. Well, if you're in the like El Salvador, like if you're a person yeah, that's paying yeah. attention to El Salvador, uh, what, what was the one headline I saw that was like ridiculous? Somehow they managed to work Bitcoin into the headline of the stampede. <laughs> Bitcoin art. country. Has yeah, stampede. yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like yeah. any chance they get to throw Bitcoin onto a negative event and then push it out into the into the world like they do. So I think a having party, red wedding at a having party like that would just no. All right. All right. Never mind. Never mind. But that's just me. Like, again, I think these people are crazy. I think they would do something like that. So uh, that's why I don't want to go. I hope nothing happens. Nothing probably will happen. And then I'll go to the next one. Sounds like a plan. All right, babe. So what's been going on in the Bitcoin world? What's new? What's happening? What should I know? Well, we got a couple of updates from some stories that we've, we've talked about before. I just wanted to close the loop on one of them because I think it's hilarious. So Celsius, back in the news, someone's going to purchase Celsius. They're going to acquire all their assets and create. Try some- to do what? We don't really know yet. Celsius has assets um, and someone is buying them. That's the, the, that's the story. Uh, they were in bankruptcy court, so 
it was for sale. The name of the group or company or investment group that's buying them is called Fahrenheit. Okay, so it's the same people who owned it before? I mean, it's not the same people, but it's like, they're not even really taking this seriously. Jeez. Like, it's a joke. It's, it's a, joke. a joke. It's all a joke to them. And it's fake money they're just flying around with. It's fake money and some information has leaked about this Celsius uh, setup. And basically, there's a chat conversation where they're kind of explaining how the people that worked at Celsius were being paid in sell tokens. That was their token, right? Like FTT was FTX's token. So they were being they were awarded these tokens, kind of like stock options, except they're not options with like a date that you can execute them on. You could sell them at any time. So in order to prop up the price of sell, as these people were dumping it, it appears that Celsius, the company, was buying them back <gasps> from the people that they had awarded them to with customer funds. Jeez. Celsius is an American company. I thought it was not. I mean, I don't know if it's American or not. Oh, it's a bankruptcy court. I just assumed it was American bankruptcy court, but... I mean, where it's in bankruptcy court doesn't really matter for that part of the story, which is there's a conversation that was had that was like, look, if we do this, this is not going to be a good look. And it appears that that was actually done. So, like, that's how shady these people are. And this is another thing that I think... Uh, Corey Clipston kind of like has been pushing through like, look, this is what they were doing. These people are scammers, right? Um, So yeah, like Celsius was just a complete scam from top to bottom. They even knew they were a scam. Apparently they were discussing that it was a scam behind closed doors. Uh, And then when everything blew up, they didn't let people get their money. Hopefully these people go to jail, but we'll see. And then another story, which kind of goes to last episode, this came out right before we recorded, but I didn't really want to get into it because it didn't fit in the episode per se. So last year we talked about Tornado Cash. Refresh my memory. A developer for Tornado Cash was arrested. Oh yeah. And yeah. it was like, well, what are the charges and what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he was alleged to be doing these things through what's called chain analysis. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, which is like, you want to use Whirlpool or CoinJoin yeah. to break that chain analysis so that it's they not, can't track like where your Bitcoin's going. It's not that they can't track it. Chain analysis is totally based off of probability. So as the Bitcoin moves through the Bitcoin blockchain, there's a probability that that Bitcoin is yours huh. as we're tracing it. So what Whirlpool and CoinJoin do is that they really just destroy that probability. If you want to continue assuming that that's me, that's just you making an assumption. You're totally skewing your probabilities at that point. Okay. I'll just read you like the first um, paragraph here to give you like what's going on. So lawyers for Tornado Cash have disputed the evidence purporting to prove links to criminal money. And what they're basically saying is that... This chain analysis is weak. Yeah. And that even if you are applying chain analysis like this doesn't really prove anything you're just saying there's a probability that my client has done this it's so interesting it's like eyewitness testimony there's so much evidence now that eyewitness testimony is so incredibly biased and inaccurate yep. this is like probably that same progression that's like you guys immediately just assumed that this is enough evidence to like convict someone of something or to correlate two things together yeah hopefully they can't <laughs> I don't know. Do you think this guy's guilty? As I said in the previous episodes, I don't think this was about money laundering. I think this was about 
can we put some FUD into the ecosystem? And scared developers. And scared developers, because like it did have a chilling effect, right? Like this is open source software. And now you're saying that the creator of open source software is going to get charged for crimes that someone else used their free software that they yeah. gave away to commit. You were spooked by it. I mean, as I recall it's a very chilling precedent. Like as we said yesterday, uh, or in, in, um, last in our last episode, when you were asking about Sparrow wallet and you were like, well, what's his business model? How is he making money? And I'm like, it's free open source software. Yeah. Now, if it turns out that Pablo Escobar was running his entire drug empire using a Sparrow wallet and they go after the Sparrow wallet developer saying you were helping Pablo Escobar. That's basically what this tornado cash thing is equivalent to. So the case is still in, in motion. It's like still has been decided. It's still going on. He's, he's still in jail. jail. Yeah, he's still in guy. jail. And so this is the problem: is that like they have set up a system where we just accuse you of crimes, we throw you in jail, and then it looks like the case is set to drag into 2024. They're saying he was arrested in 2022. His life is ruined. Like what? Because he might have. Like it's just it's getting out of hand. And like meanwhile. SBF is walking free. Is he really? He's out on bail. Wow. He's out on bail. This guy was was freed uh, to await trial, but he was not like out of jail as fast as SBF was. SBF, obvious criminal activity, or he's going to go to court to see how little punishment he's going to get. But it's obvious criminal activity. You don't just lose $10 billion and throw your hands in the air and go, I don't know what happened, right? This guy is like, I mean, yeah, I guess technically they use my software to do that. But why are you knocking on my door? Also, I'm broke. Bro- I assume he's broke. Broke or not, that's 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 what I think is really chilling is that this to me was an attack on open source software. And as we know, Bitcoin is open source software. So if they ever want to say that Bitcoin uh, is laundering money, this court case right here would be a very interesting precedent to point to and say, we got that guy for laundering money. All you people that run Bitcoin nodes, we're coming for you. That's a big leap. But I think in a very uh, stressful situation where they need to shut Bitcoin down, I don't put that past them. Them being? The same people that are trying to create CBDCs, the same people Mm -hmm. that invaded Iraq, the same people that invaded Afghanistan, the same people that invaded Vietnam, the same people that uh, were doing the Iran-Contra, the same same people, (laughs) right? Those people. I know. I just wanted to make sure (laughs) you spelled it out. Like those people. I'm not stating an organization or an entity or anything, but whoever those people are, they seem to be wanting to do... CBDCs and shut down Bitcoin lately. For my scandal watchers, uh, it's B16. Yeah. Ian will say stuff and I'm like, you're describing B16. He's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, you need to watch Scandal. But I don't. You don't need to because I did it for you. I don't need to watch Scandal because Scandal is just based off of real life. And I know what's going on in real life. Not a well-scripted show. I, I just checked. I kept saying B16, but I think it's actually B13. But either way, like... If you watch Scandal, like B13 is the secret covert government organization that like controls everything that happens in the world, which I like fully believe exists through a network around the world. There are people that control everything and our elected leaders have like very little power. I mean, I don't know the whole plot line of Scandal, but I will say is that it's very scandalous, (sighs) but I'm bumped. Yep. (laughs) 
This is why you guys can't give Mondana props on her jokes. I, that was not. I wasn't even. Well, you throwing your own rim it. shot. You try with the sounds, but they, nobody can even tell what sounds you're making. At least mine are like clear. But I'm bumped. That sounds real. No, that doesn't sound like a, a set of drums. I mean, it's definitely a rim shot. Yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely not drums. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Don't be jealous because I'm the comedian on this podcast. Not jealous at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm the brains, you're the beauty. Uh, I think I'm the brains and you're the beauty. Aw, with the brains as well. You know, they're like, oh, she looked good. And it's like, she has a great personality. And then they're like, oh, that means she doesn't look good. But are you saying I have both? I mean, you know. Look how much my husband hesitates to compliment me. I know. I'm, what, I, what I'm saying is, like, if you're if, if you're bringing the brains, then um, how about you cover the next story? Fetty is in alpha testing. What does that mean? Uh, that means something is uh, available for the public to test. Yeah, but what's Fetty? Fetty is... <laughs> We've talked about this on this show. <laughs> it lets builders and protocol pioneers test federations. Okay. Oh, what's a federation, babe? Um, a federation aims to be the first federally operating system that empowers peoples to collaborate within their communities to take control of their money with data and their digital lives while protecting user privacy and autonomy. That's what the Federation is? Or is that what Fetty is? You know, I don't. (laughs) 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 Um, I honestly do not remember what a Federation is. We talked about this like 10 plus episodes ago. I know, but... Going back to our last episode where I said, just one new fact is all I need. When I saw that Fetty was an alpha, I knew exactly what was going on. Fetty is a protocol that will enable people to hold Bitcoin as a group and transact within their federation um, without any on-chain fees or anything like that. So it's like a closed... Lightning network? It's like a closed lightning network, right? All right. And it's being developed as, as a way to onboard people who you don't really want to explain all of the intricacies. Well, didn't they announce this at the Bitcoin conference last year? Or no? I don't think it was at the Bitcoin conference last year in Miami, oh, but okay. it's been announced at a conference. All right, all right. And now it's ready for people to go in and jump and play with it. So the alpha is out. You can get, um, so it's on a test net, so it's mm-hmm. not real Bitcoin, but you can go, you can download the app. You can um, go get some fake Bitcoin for the test net. And you basically push your fake Bitcoin in, you get Fetty tokens or Fetty sats or whatever, and you can do some transactions and like play with the Fetty app. All right. It doesn't really do a whole lot as far as like, oh, this is like going to change the game. But I think the thing that's most interesting is the idea that one of the things they were pitching about Fetty is that you can retrieve your keys from the group. So if you lost your keys, the group will be like, yeah, that's Mondana. Yeah, that's Mondana. Yeah, that's Mondana because you're part of the group. And then you can rebuild your keys from that. So it has to be a group of people you trust. It couldn't just be a group of people or organizations that you're regularly transacting with. With all of this tech, we don't really know how it's going to get used. We don't know who's going to actually have the use case that best fits what Fetty does. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does do is, let's use your family, for example. 
like with your family, people want to share money between the states and Iran. A lot of people still don't really get how Bitcoin, once you convert it to Bitcoin, the money isn't even really in Iran anymore. Yeah. Right? Okay. So with Fedi, you don't have to explain any of that technicalness of Bitcoin. You could just tell them Fedi is the new Venmo. Yeah. It, that's what it is. It's just, it's, it's, it's running on Bitcoin. And so put your money in here and now we can send it back and forth. Right. And if you pull it out in Iran or you pull it out in America, okay, you got to know how Bitcoin works there. The idea is that within a group, you can have a bunch of transactions. Okay. And you don't have a blockchain per se, but it manages all of that for you. And so I think the, the, the use case that I keep seeing a lot of is like African villages or like African towns or towns that don't have a bank in them. To bring in the entire infrastructure or to bring in PayPal, who doesn't operate in those countries, yeah. that would take work and time and, and licenses and all that fun stuff, right? But with Fedi... If everyone just downloads Fetty. <laughs> like all of their marketplace transactions yeah. could be on there. All right, well, that's cool. And so, so you're excited about this? I mean, it's an alpha testing, which is cool. You know, they've been talking about it for a while, but I actually have an app on my phone now that I can use and play with. I'm really talking about Fetty because I can't really think of a use case that would it would serve me personally. But I think people should know about it so that if it does fit a use case that they have with their Bitcoin understanding at where they are, like you should look into it. It's very interesting. And the big thing for it is that everyone can make like their own personal Venmo network almost. That's what a federation is. Yeah. I was thinking like there's this app called Split Me or something. It's for like when you do group trips. Yep. Everyone pays for different stuff and then they kind of settle up at the end and pay each other. I feel like Fetty would work for that. I mean, if those people want Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. With the assumption that you're operating in Bitcoin instead of dollars. So that's the thing about all of these. these Group trips in El Salvador. If you're doing a group trip in El Salvador, like hopefully you guys are pretty knowledgeable Bitcoiners and know how to settle up with like lightning. That's true. Right. So like Fetty is for people that don't understand what Bitcoin versus lightning versus on chain versus. Right. So So then maybe this becomes kind of obsolete. Eventually, if lightning really does take off, which it has. <clears throat> I don't think so. I think we're going to need something like Fetty. It might not be Fetty, but I think we're going to need something like Fetty to onboard the next billion people. Okay. Right? Like people eyes glaze over when you try to explain to them the difference between Bitcoin on chain, Bitcoin lightning, and then Fetty. It's true. You're but right. Like, You're right. I forget how much I know. But like, if you were just to convince everybody, oh, there's a new Venmo called Fetty that works in every country, mm-hmm. but you need Bitcoin to get in. Okay, I'll get a little bit of Bitcoin and then I'll get in. Cool. Like, it's very simplistic, right? But it relies on you having some Bitcoin. You can't just bring fiat to it. Whereas Venmo, you deposit dollars, right? But no, I think that something like Fetty is what we're going to need to onboard the next billion people um, because they're just not going to understand the different layers. You know, like the Internet existed, but it took a browser for people to actually get on the Internet. Yeah, yeah you're right. People aren't as um, smart and beautiful as me. <laughs> exactly. Bring you right back around. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. All right, so um, I'll introduce the last piece of news because I'm so smart that I don't need you to explain it to me. Cool. 
Actually, I'm not. I tried to read it and I don't understand what it means. Azteco Bitcoin voucher is now available at 3,000 vendors in Costa Rica. So Azteco provides a way to buy Bitcoin directly from corner shops and online retailers in many countries without providing ID or having to create an account. So it becomes like a more seamless way to buy Bitcoin. But I don't exactly understand what that means. Like this is a company that's just giving out vouchers. So think of it like buying a money order from the post office. Okay. Right. You take your cash. I guess now it's a debit card because you can't buy money orders with credit cards. Right. So you take your cash or debit card to the post office and they convert it into some form of official money. Yeah. Which is a money order. Right. This is basically that, but for Bitcoin. So you take your cash to these Azteco stores and you buy a certain amount of Bitcoin, right? And the voucher itself, you can scan it in and it's it's Bitcoin. It's on chain. You just have to transfer it to where you want it to. Yeah. But like most of the time you would do this through what's called a Bitcoin ATM. Right. And most of those want you to create an account and most of those have cameras in them. So oh, it's take, right? okay. I didn't understand that. So that so this is an alternative to that. But it says that the service charge is seven percent commission and one dollar processing fee. That's, isn't is that higher than a Bitcoin ATM? There's like twenty different brands of Bitcoin ATMs. Yeah. I don't know the fees of all of them. All I'm saying is that like this is just another angle of getting people onboarded to Bitcoin. Yeah, without the complications of having a bank account and all that stuff like you need for Stripe. Yeah. All right, so this is good news. Uh, I think this is very interesting because it's Costa Rica, um, and that's a place that we like and we like to go to. I think that we're going to see this style of Bitcoin acquisition really take off in the next like five years. And the reason why I think that is going to happen is this isn't the first implementation of this that I've seen. Bitcoin Bull is a Canadian um, Bitcoin exchange where you can buy Bitcoin from. And they recently had an integration with like the Canadian postal system where you could go and pay at the Canadian postal service or post office, right? And when you go to the post office, you hand them cash and you pay that voucher. Same thing here, right? Um, when it's paid, your Bitcoin gets deposited into your Bitcoin bull account. So you go to the post office they scan a QR code that's like to pay something. This is what they've set up to pay your bills and stuff like that, right? So you can pay your electricity bill like this, your water bill, and all that fun stuff. But now Bitcoin Bull is integrated with that same system where you go and you pay a bill, but really it's just depositing that cash into your personal private keyed Bitcoin wallet. Mm-hmm. Post office didn't ask you for ID. <laughs> the post office didn't necessarily take your photograph. Right. As far as they're concerned, you're just paying a bill and they're not asking the questions of like, what is this? Now, they might start to ask the question, but then they'll probably have to shut down that whole service because they're not asking the question when you're paying your other bills. Right. So I think this idea of like bring cash in with a QR code and that gets converted to Bitcoin that lands somewhere that you control. I think that that's like going to take off for the next five years because a lot of these companies that don't move to El Salvador are going to get hit with so many restrictions that it's probably going to be very hard for them to sell you Bitcoin. Okay. And so what was announced at the Bitcoin conference is that Strike moved their global headquarters to El Salvador. Mm-hmm. They're already like, screw it. We're not even waiting for you to like set the rules. And I think a lot of these Bitcoin companies, if they don't make that move, this will be the pivot that they have to make. Like, can we sell it to you in your country? Well, here's a QR code. Take it to insert whatever. 
pay cash there that it gets deposited into your account that's online. And so what happens? These vendors like pre-buy these vouchers so they've already paid for it. And no, they're you, getting recouped with the cash that they get? No, 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 no. Like I'm going to use Bitcoin Bull as an example just because I've, I've seen how this system works, at least in one video. So you go to Bitcoin Bull, you say, I want to buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, right? How do you want to pay? And you pick like post office method, mm-hmm. right? No transaction has happened yet. They just produce a QR code and you take that QR code to the post office. The post office scans it and says, okay, it's going to be $107 because 7% plus $1 processing fee. So it's going to be $108. Mm-hmm. You hand them $108, $100 worth of Bitcoin gets deposited into your Bitcoin bull account. Where does that $100 go? To Bitcoin bull. They, they then send it over to them? Yes, Okay. So you can pay bills like this, mm-hmm. right? You you get your Pepco bill. You could go to post offices, I believe, at least with Pepco, to pay your Pepco bill. You can pay your Pepco bill at grocery stores, I believe, right? Okay. But the way that it works is that when they scan it, it's just a charge. They're just processing for Pepco. Okay. Right? This is a bill pay system. Okay. And they've just paid- I think, yeah, the system is just not one that I'm very familiar right. with. You're- so I just don't understand how- that gap gets closed when like the vendor gets the, the cash. Yeah. Like to get to the company that's giving you the Bitcoin. It's a bill pay system. So like they've already worked that out. They're just collecting the money on behalf of someone. And that's where that processing fee and dollar comes in. Is that right. That's what they get. Right. You know, when Bernie Sanders was talking about like turning all the post offices into local banks. Right. That was like one of his things. Turn the post offices into local Bitcoin ATMs and yeah. just let every everybody who wants to sell Bitcoin or be a Bitcoin company just create an open protocol system where anyone can do that. Anyone can take a voucher to a post office. They scan it. You buy your Bitcoin and it gets deposited to Strike or Coinbase or Swan or wherever you got that QR code from. Just do that. Done. But they're not gonna. They're, they're not gonna, gonna fight to. that instead, yeah. right? But maybe they won't. When we have like hyperinflation and they want everyone to trade in all their cash, I don't know. We'll see. But it does take cash out of the system. Um, Which you love. I mean, I don't love taking cash out of the system per se. I think that if your choice is holding cash, i.e. US dollars, euros, yen versus holding Bitcoin, if it's over four years or five years, like why would you hold it in dollars if you understand what the halving is? Like if it's money you plan to hold for five years, especially today, in five years, there's going to be two halvings. And if you understand what the having is, it's like, okay, maybe I'll put it in a savings account and get like 2% interest. Or as one of my friends recently said, I need to buy some Bitcoin because I need it to double so I can like pay my tax bill. It's not necessarily a gamble, but like historically for the last 13 years, Bitcoin has gone up 100% every year for the, for, except for two years. So like you could take your one, 2% interest on your bank account, or you can put it in Bitcoin if it's five years and on average, you'll get 100% gains every year. Well, I'm definitely putting it into Bitcoin. All right, well, I don't want to jinx it, but this entire episode, we've kept Keon asleep and quiet. It's kind of a big deal. It's never happened before. He had a big weekend. I think he's just exhausted. That's the key. Just tire your kids out. Mm, Yeah, or just don't let them sleep. (laughs) That's true. I kept him awake earlier this morning so we could say goodbye to your parents. 
obviously they're visiting. They wanted to play with him. Like he didn't get a lot of naps the past couple of days. Not as many as he usually gets. Yeah, that's true. I can't. I'm, I'm always trying to put him to sleep when it's just him and me. You know, the fact that he's, he slept through the episode is great. You know, but even if he is awake, like we we figure it out. We edit it out. And we keep the cute. We parts. make it work. We make it work. But it was nice to be able to like sit and do like a whole recording without having to stop because of a screaming break or a diaper change. Sometimes I have to feed Keon during the episodes, which just feels weird. Um, so I'm glad that didn't happen this time. I just feel like we're crushing parenthood. We're crushing parenthood, crushing the pod. The pod's doing really well. This is one of our biggest weeks. This is our biggest week. Last week was our biggest week. This is our biggest week after that. And for the first time, our Apple listeners are below 20%. Like everyone listens to us on Fountain. It's all Fountain listeners. Oh, it's, all, that's so great. it's all Fountain heads. Fountainheads in the building. And I and I'm starting to equate that those those Apple listeners to like our friends and family that we kind of convinced to listen in the very beginning. Well, I'm glad they're still listening. I'm glad they're still listening, but yeah. uh, I, it's it's shocking that like literally everyone who listens to us is on Fountain. I have to admit, like I listen to podcasts on Fountain, but sometimes I'm just like listening to it on the other apps, and I'm like too lazy to switch over. So I even I get it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I could be I could be making some sats, but the cool thing is that you don't have to just listen on Fountain. There's another app. I keep forgetting to mention this. Um, but this is probably a good place to bring it up. There's another app called Breeze. And they have a podcasting section to their app where you can listen, you can send boosts, but you can't earn sats from listening there. So like that's the trade-off. But there's a couple of other apps that are coming out that they all work on the podcasting 2.0 infrastructure so like if you listen to our podcast on breeze you can still send us boosts i think someone actually did i know for a fact one person okay so i should download it so i can respond no 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 no. all the comments come into fountain oh We, we got the comment in fountain but when i was looking a little bit deeper it said from breeze Oh, yeah. interesting. This is what a protocol and interoperability gives you. Oh, okay. So Fountain's special sauce is that you can earn sats from listening. Oh. But people could just all be listening to us on Breeze. I and, had no idea. And sending us sats and boosting. Breeze heads. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'll think of something better. <laughs> um, I'm better than that. I but apologize. So, I apologize to the Breeze listeners. Um, I know for I know the fact for fact there's one because they sent us a boost, and that's how I know for a fact there's one. Um, Breeze is one, and then um, there's another one that I don't think is really out yet. But when it does come out, like I'll I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But a lot of people who kind of thought that the podcasting had been captured by Apple and Spotify. And it's like, how are we going to out-innovate those behemoths? Now there's like this new angle that you can come at, which is podcasting 2.0, more interactive features with your listeners, the value for value concept. I'm sure it was recorded, so you can listen to the recording, but Fountain did a Spaces the other day on Twitter with um, the Orange Pill app. Which is like uh, find local Bitcoiners in your area, link up to do stuff. Oh, cool! Kind of app or whatever. It's uh, not a dating app, is it? It is kind of a date. <gasps> it's kind of a dating app. Okay, we love a dating app. It, we met on a dating app. It, it 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 has its origins in like trying to create a Bitcoiner dating app, and it's kind of evolved into the Bitcoiner social layer. All right, right. Yeah. It um, evolved into what was needed more. Yeah. And so uh, the other day they did a spaces on Twitter 
And they were talking about the social layer of Bitcoin and how things like Fountain App really contribute to it. Like now podcasters can have this interactivity with their listeners. Orange Pill App is running a uh, ad on Fountain the next 30 days. Um, so make sure you listen to the ad on Fountain and you have a chance to win 100,000 sats. Ooh. They give away 100,000 sats every day, I think, for the next 30 days. So you got to listen to the ad and then someone gets randomly picked to to win. So I wanted to mention that in this episode because you'll still have 30 days to listen. Um, but also at the end of that spaces, you know, what are some podcasts that people should listen to on Fountain? Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that we were like the number one supported episode that week. So we like got shouted out in this spaces. Nick was like, well, I see some podcasters who are actually on the call because you can see who's in the spaces. So uh, one of the guys, uh, uh, who who writes some really great stuff, go check out his stuff. Um, And then he shouted out us on the like spaces. Um, So that was kind of cool. And it just was really cool that like we were the number one supported episode. Really cool. The week of that particular. Yeah, shout out to our top boost ever. Shout out to Oi. Um, we for the ladies. We for the ladies. But yeah, so like this this podcasting 2.0 thing is really changing the game. You know, I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day. Most of our listeners are on Fountain, as I've said. But if you listen to us on Fountain and you interact with us on Fountain, our podcast, from what I can tell on Fountain, is one of the more interactive comment sections. So like there's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts that are on Fountain. And if you want to send Bitcoin to your favorite Bitcoin podcast, you can. I don't see a lot of those Bitcoiners responding in the comments. Oh, that's a shame. This is something that I've noticed. Like, I see a lot of people boosting episodes of shows that I listen to. And I see a lot of people leaving comments on shows that I listen to as well. But I don't see any responses from the hosts of the shows on Fountain. And so we are a very active podcast on Fountain. Because we basically focused all of our energy on Fountain. Whereas a lot of these other podcasts, like they have YouTube channels, they have Twitter accounts, True. they have this, they have that, they have Reddit, they have uh, Substacks, right? They got all these places to communicate with people, and we're just funneling everyone to Fountain. Come to Fountain, that's where we are. You make money for listening to podcasts there. You get paid for making clips of our show there. It is a virtuous cycle, and I think our metrics show 80% of our listeners being on Fountain that something's working. And the other really cool thing is that we've seen... Aw, Kiana's waking up. The other really cool thing that we've seen is that um, the clips that you guys make, other people are giving you sats for, so it's working. It's really exciting. Keep listening, guys. I hope you're having as much fun as we are. listening to the show now let's get you set up on fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts it's time to join the fountainhead nation go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone once you've installed the app and have set up your account search for flirting with bitcoin and follow us you should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well 
Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first sats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin, and keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.